0: Hey, everybody. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, It is great to have you with us today. I wanted to uh, show you uh, our yard sign uh, here it is. It looks awesome we 're really excited about uh, this series and uh, we love our graphic uh, this year and again, like Scott said, you know really, unless you live on a dirt road and nobody comes to your house except for the mailman, um, grab a yard sign and uh, stick it in your yard for your neighbors to see or other people to see and uh, uh, but also we 'd love for you to take some signs and you know put them at Walmart or Costco or uh, some intersections, other places, uh, but again, just make sure it's that you uh, take responsibility for the sign. We don't want us to be like some politicians that leave those things up for weeks and months after, uh, after the date has come and gone. Um, but it's, the idea for the series is really simple. Love can. Listen, we are, we are living in a day and time today when, uh, I mean, things are a mess. They're, they're a mess. And uh, love really is the answer. You know, we, we have hope. We have, uh, we have help. And uh, we have the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is, is God's love. And so we believe uh, that we're going to open up a big old can of love on Charleston. And, uh, and show them the, the way. Point them to Jesus. Uh, we believe that uh, love can heal, love can restore, love can forgive, love can redeem, love can win. Love is the answer. And uh, so it's going to be a great series. We're excited about it. Uh, so uh, again, pick up the signs are located right out these double doors, right here in this little breezeway. Uh, so pick up some this morning on your way out. Uh, we have had a lot of fun. In this series, so far, happily ever after, with a big question mark, um, I, I love love, love talking about relationships. I do I love talking about marriage, I love talking about uh, dating and, and sex and relationships, and all that. In fact, I really believe that the church really ought to be the the safe place that we talk about these issues because we have the blueprint for life it 's found in god 's word, and this ought to be the place where we talk about that stuff. Um, in fact, I mentioned recently that right now at coastal. I'm I'm aware of, like, 15 babies on the way. I mean, like, there is something in the... In fact, every time... In fact, this past week, I think... Well, actually, two babies have already been born, I believe. But then I keep hearing of other people that are having babies. And uh, so something's in the water. Be careful. It's the chocolate milk. Put it down right now if you got... Okay. But, uh, but no, somebody said, Pastor Chris, really, it's because of all the sex talk around here. That's what it is. Uh, people are getting busy and having fun. So, um, but... But we've had a lot of fun with this series. But today is different. Today is different. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things like, you know, this week, I mean, you know, I just felt the weight of it this week a little bit. Because uh, it's hard to joke a lot, you know, when you're talking about divorce. It is. I mean, it's just, it's different. It's one of those heavy, uh, weighty uh, subjects. And, uh, you know, one of the more challenging parts about it is that you are dealing with such a complex, difficult issue, painful subject for so many people. And then on top of that, we live in this world today where people want you to, you know, kind of condense everything that you believe into a very simple, you know, con, you know condensed soundbite. And uh, I just don't think you can do that with divorce. You know, there, there's too many... Topics, there's too many questions, too many issues that come up with this subject in your mind that there's no way that I could address all of them and all of it in a one time, you know, 40 minute message. In fact, in 25 years of ministry here at Coastal, probably the most uh, difficult, painful issues that I've had to deal with with people at our church is when they have to face, you know, when I, when I have to minister to people who are struggling. In the area of divorce and, and marriage and remarriage and everything that goes along with it. And my guess is this. Everybody in this room has been touched by divorce. Everybody. You know, I was thinking about some of the, the audience that I, that I will have today. Um, you know, many of you have been divorced. Uh, many of you have family, immediate family or even extended family that, um, who are divorced, close personal friends who have been divorced. Many of you are the children of divorce. And then quite honestly, there are those of you who are here in this room who are married and you either are or have considered divorce. Now, it is possible that with so many competing voices today speaking into this subject, that what you have heard or even what you believe about divorce from a biblical perspective might not be right. So, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I want you to just kind of take, you know, your, you know, knowledge or information about the subject of of divorce, and just for a moment, just kind of place it up on the shelf. Because here's what I want to do at the beginning of my message today, very quickly, really, We're going to look at Jesus' view of marriage and divorce from Scripture. And then we're going to spend probably the most of our time today talking about how to avoid a divorce. And then at the very end, I want to wrap this up with God's grace. Because that is what all of us in this room desperately, desperately need. We're going to talk about truth, and we're going to talk about grace. And I hope you would uh, open your hearts And your ears this morning. Follow along as I read. This is Jesus speaking on divorce as he's confronted with the issues by the Pharisees in Mark chapter 10. In fact, if you're reading through the Bible with your coastal family today or this year, um, we've already read through this section, but follow along as I read it again. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 2. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? "'Well, what did Moses say about divorce?' Jesus asked them. "'Well, he permitted it,' they replied. "'He said a man merely has to write his wife an official letter of divorce and send her away.' But Jesus responded. He wrote those instructions only as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness. But God's plan was seen from the very beginning of creation, for he made them male and female.'" This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. You probably heard a lot of that in a wedding ceremony, I'm sure. He goes on. Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. So again, you can, you can just sense this if, you've been, if you're reading through the Gospel of Mark. This is one of those issues that, again, very complex, very difficult, even then with Jesus' disciples. They bring it up again. And so he tells them whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and remarries, she too commits adultery. Now, a lot of stuff there, some very difficult. Let me begin, though, uh, by giving you what I believe to be God's simple, perfect plan for the covenant of marriage. Really simple and very straightforward. Here it is. Number one, one man, one woman for a lifetime. In other words, till death do you part. Okay? One man, one woman unto death. Now, anything short of that is away from God's ultimate plan and desire for marriage for man and, and woman. One man, one woman for a lifetime, until death do they part. Now, would all the perfect people in this room, raise your hand. Okay, now you remember we did a series here at Coastal called "No What? Perfect People Allowed, okay? Now, so... What does that mean for everybody in this room? We are all what? Sinners. Nobody here is perfect. In other words, we have all already fallen short of God's perfect standard. In fact, Jesus said that if you have broken one command or you have fallen short in one area of of God's plan for life, guess what? You're guilty of all of it. You say, well, yeah, but, you know, Jesus said here that if I divorce and remarry, I commit adultery. Well, you're right. Now, he also said, by the way, that if you look lustfully at another person, you've already committed what? Adultery. So, do you know what that makes everybody in this room? Adulterers. Okay? Some of you have already committed adultery this morning. Okay, now. Uh, that's what, so, the point is, here's the point, by the way. And this was the point that Jesus was trying to make. You ready? Everybody is a sinner, and they're all in need of a Savior. Now, God's grace, this is important. God's grace either covers all of our sin, or it covers none of it. His grace is either sufficient for all sin and all sinners or for no one or no thing. More about that later. So that's number one. That's the first view of God's view of covenant marriage. Number two, uh, divorce breaks the heart of God. It does. It, it breaks his heart. You know, Jesus pointed out that, you know, this idea of marriage, it's not some modern invention of of man or it's not an outdated old-fashioned idea. Rather, it is something that God himself planned before the beginning of creation. It is a beautiful illustration of the covenant relationship between Christ and the church. And and you know, so many times people they'll, they'll see marriage from just a human perspective and they forget that ultimately we are not joined together in marriage by a piece of paper or by a human law, but by God himself. So, Sometimes divorce is pursued and people forget that God's involved, that God ultimately unites two people together in marriage. And so when you separate a bond like that, that when two have become one and you separate it, it's impossible to do so without pain, without hurt, without a tearing apart. And that's one of the reasons why divorce breaks the heart of God. And there is another reason, another surprising reason. And we'll talk about that later on. Number three, divorce is allowed in the cases of adultery, abandonment, and abuse, but not commanded or not necessitated. In other words, Jesus clarified, and you'll see this in other places in Scripture, that although, yes, there were some circumstances in the Old Testament and then now even in the New Testament where divorce was permitted, but it is still not permitted in the sense that it's God's ideal, but it's allowed because of the hard-heartedness of either one or two, two of the people that are involved. In other words, ultimately, guess what? It's still an example of our brokenness. And so if you're trying to use the Bible to find a loophole for your divorce, you know what? Jesus is saying, man, you're no better than the Pharisees. Now, there are some passages that talk about um, specific circumstances where God allows divorce. You might want to study these passages later. You can write these down. I think they're there on your outline. Matthew 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, you and I cannot control either the heart or the actions of other people. But we can make a decision to do whatever is necessary in our own lives, in our own mind, to avoid divorce. In other words, you can't change other people, but you can change yourself and then they have to respond accordingly. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to spend some time looking at five decisions that you could make that would help protect your marriage from a divorce. And then at the very end, I want to talk about healing, if you've already been through it. Okay? So stick with me. Decision number one commit to a forever view of marriage. And we, we've talked a lot about this a lot in the series. Again, that's one of the themes, ongoing themes of this entire series, that you've got to make up your mind now, either before you get married or before your marriage gets to a crisis point, that divorce is not an option. Because if you don't, listen, I can promise you, situations are going to come up Situations are going to arise where you will be tempted to hit the eject button You will be tempted to to leave the marriage and to walk out You see Before somebody gets married. Here's here, Here's how it works Typically they dream about finding and marrying the right person. We even call them what? Mr. Right mrs. Right And so we've got this assumption that there's somebody out there that uh, eventually, that if you just keep looking and searching and uh, enter enough uh, internet profiles, that you are going to find, eventually, Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Now, the reality, however, is when you get married, you ready for this? You always marry the wrong person. Now, let me explain. You know, ultimately, we, we never really know who we marry. You know, we only think we do. And, and, and when you head into marriage thinking that you found the right person and you know everything about there is to know about that person, just give it a while, okay? Because he or she will eventually change or you're going to learn something new about that person. My point is that we always marry somebody that we are going to be butting heads with. Like, that's reality. That's life. That's marriage. Why? Here's the deal. You're putting two people together, you know, two sinners who are becoming one flesh, who then therefore are going to be occupying the same place. Confrontation is inevitable. In fact, I'll go a step further. Listen to to this. Irreconcilable differences are an inevitable part of marriage. Irreconcilable differences are an inevitable part of marriage. In fact, they're a daily part of most marriages. You you want to know why? Because you and your spouse are stubborn, selfish, sinful people. Like, that's the truth. You know what you are? You're the irresistible force, and they're the immovable object. I mean, that's reality. But it's not an excuse for divorce. You know, when we butt heads, when those differences arise, here's what we think. Oh, no. The honeymoon's over. Oh, no. I married the wrong person. Of course you did. She did too. You know, you're the wrong people. But if you are committed to a forever view of marriage, and if in both of your minds, divorce is not an option, guess what? you got to work it out. Now, you're going to have to wrestle with this question. Okay, well, Pastor Chris, where am I going to get the patience and the power and the grace and the forgiveness To stick with this and to make it work. This is where we have the help and the hope. I believe in the power of the resurrection. We either believe that's true or we don't. We either believe it affects every area of life or let's go home and do something else. Love can change. Jesus is the answer. That's not just a, a trite little thing that we say here in church. But listen to me, folks. You will never, ever, ever experience the very best of marriage until you are willing to work through the tough times of marriage. And it's a part of it. So, decision number one is to commit to a forever view of marriage. Decision number two is to deal with the problems proactively. Deal with the problems proactively. In other words, before they come already have some things set in place in your mind. Now, let me give you, depending where you're at on the pendulum, let me give you five ways to do that. The first thing you can do before you even get married is make a commitment to date or marry somebody who's a believer. That's the only person you're going to date or marry. And again, I've talked about this early on in one of my messages. You can pull it up on our website or download it on our app and take a listen to it. But to follow Jesus means, if you're a follower of Jesus, that means that his ways, his word, his priority in life is your number one priority in life. And if you marry somebody who has a different priority, at best, you'll be headed in different directions. But I guarantee you it will create friction. So make that commitment proactively. Only date or marry somebody who is a believer. Second thing that you can do after you've gotten engaged is go to premarital counseling. We offer that here at Coastal. Premarital counseling can be an important tool to help make sure that you and your fiancé are united together in some very foundational principles and beliefs um, uh, about marriage now raise your hand if you went to anybody here go to any kind of premarital counseling before you got married okay you know I'll be honest with you You know I, I, I try to tell couples up front you know let's be clear here you know I'm not gonna be sprinkling any kind of magic pixie dust on, on you and you're gonna walk out of here because you've met with me for a week or two weeks or three weeks and, and walk on to you know forever marital bliss okay that's not the way it works I will say one of the benefits however of premarital counseling is this because at some point Before you got married, at least you sat down with somebody other than family and I hope you at least talked about some important issues that you will face down the road. And maybe you talked about some issues that quite honestly made you a little uncomfortable because my point is, and what I hope this does, is that when the tough times come, and they will, in the back of your mind you'll know, you know what, it's okay to talk to somebody about it. We did before we we got married, we can do it now. And so I think that's a good thing about premarital counseling. Another thing that's important to do after you're married is to continue to date your spouse. Continue to date your spouse. Hey, the reality is we just get busy and life gets a, you know involved and we get easily distracted and then we just end up taking each other for granted. I'm not saying it's the end-all, cure-all for all marital problems, but listen, we, if you're going to keep the romance alive, the reality is you've just got to spend some time together. So schedule it. Put it on the calendar. You say, well, man, Chris, that doesn't sound very, you know, romantic or, you know, you know, kind of on the spur of the moment. You know, put it on the calendar. Schedule it. Well, the reality is if you don't do that, it'll just get pushed off. It'll get pushed off another week and another week and another week. So date your spouse. Here's another one. Defend your marriage from temptation. Defend your marriage... from from temptation. I talked about this um, uh, last week, protecting your marriage. Jesus said, guard your thought life. Do not allow yourself to fantasize about somebody that's not your spouse. It is not the first look that gets you into trouble. It is the second, the third, the lingering stare. It's the thoughts that you then, uh, you know, run through your mind. Don't look at or watch things that would tempt yourself sexually. Determine together with your spouse now that you are not going to be alone with somebody else of the opposite sex other than your spouse. Defend your marriage. Protect your marriage. Here's another way to proactively deal With problems in your marriage, and that is post-marital counseling. Like I said, every every marriage has difficult times. Every single one. And when you do, talk about it. Talk to somebody. I'm not saying, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to, you know, officially, you know, pay for, you know, uh, counseling, but you better find someone, a wise Christian person, uh, outside of your family, that you could talk to when the going gets tough, who has a forever view of marriage and who has some Christian wisdom, whether it's a pastor, a a close personal friend, someone that can keep a confidence. Talk to somebody. You know, so many times when people come and finally see me, it's not that it's too late, but so often I just wish they would have come sooner. You know, when when maybe both of them were a little bit more willing than they are in that moment. Talk about it. I mean, the reality is some of you here today, you can barely stand to live with yourselves. How do you think your spouse feels, you know? I mean, like, there's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. Talk about it. Here's the third decision you need to make. Develop a do-whatever-it-takes mentality to reconcile. Do whatever it takes to reconcile. You know what that means? Let me give you the best example I can. Be the first one to admit you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. Now, let's get really, really practical here. Even when, even if you think you are 99% right and only 1% wrong, You be be the one who takes the initiative. I I would say this. And this is where people ask me, what does it mean to be, you know, men? What does it mean to be a spiritual leader in your home? This is it. You be a man. Take the initiative and say, honey, I was wrong. I ask you to forgive me. Now, here's I'm going to take this a step further. This gets this is really real and then you leave it alone. <laughs> mm, mm, that's right. Because here is our tendency. And you, you've, been, you've been there, done that. Here is, the, here is the tendency after an apology, after we say, honey, I was wrong, forgive me. And then you kinda wait. And then, then you say this, isn't there something you want to tell me? <laughs> right? You know, is there something you'd like to admit? Don't do that. Just apologize. Now, I'm not saying there's, you know, there's not going to be a time and a place where the two of you can talk about those issues. And that might be that you have to have maybe that third person to be there. Maybe it's like a, maybe it's an older couple that has a strong marriage that's been through some difficult times. They're very mature Christians. Maybe, maybe you do have to involve somebody else. Maybe it is a counselor. Maybe it is a pastor. But very first, Own up to your part and ask for forgiveness. Romans 12, 18 says, Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Underline that phrase, as much as possible. God says, you are responsible for your part. You can't force other people to do something, but you can change the way you respond. What you do, you can own your part, and then they do have to change how they respond. So, make a decision to commit to a forever view of marriage. Deal with the problems proactively. Do whatever you can to reconcile. And then number four, boy, this is important. Break my destructive patterns. My destructive patterns. In other words, look in the mirror and ask yourself, hey, do I have any bad habits or relational patterns that are getting in the way of this relationship being healthy? And we've all heard this definition before of insanity. And I think we've applied it to other areas of life. But I want you to apply it to relationships. Albert Einstein defined insanity like this. Doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting what? Different the, the, same, the different results, right? Doing the exact same thing over and over again, but thinking something different will happen. You know? So, if you've been divorced... Before you even think about jumping into another relationship. Before you ask Pastor Chris to marry you for the third or fourth time. Okay, listen to me. Just look in the mirror and ask yourself, what patterns or habits do I have that might be contributing to these relationships? I, I like the way God said it in Jeremiah eight five, And these are his words to his people. Listen to this. Then why then why do these people keep going along their self-destructive path, refusing to turn back, even though I've warned them? In other words, he's saying, again, why do they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting something different to happen? Now, guys, the reality is divorce happens. But divorce is rarely completely one person's fault. And all I'm saying is that we've got to be honest with our own lives and our own relationship issues. And, you know, Proverbs 26, 11, this is even stronger. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. That's not very appetizing. But God is saying that it's foolish to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different to happen. So what patterns do you need to break? And I'm not talking about just if you've you know been divorced i mean you know first of all what about this do you continue to date and fall in love with people who are not the best people for you and you keep getting hurt all i'm saying is it possible there's a pattern in your life what about this if you're married do you find yourself being too critical of your spouse Do you expect too much from your husband or wife and you're not satisfied with the person that God made them to be? Do you have anger issues? You know, do people say that you always fly off the handle and you seem to make a big deal about little things? Always, always getting into arguments. What about this pattern? Do you find yourself being overly suspicious of your spouse? Overly clingy for no reason? Maybe there's some trust issues. Maybe your parents didn't trust each other. Or is it a pattern in your life that you hold on to grudges or you hold on to hurts and you, you have a hard time forgiving people? Guys, these are critical issues. And if you don't deal with them on the front end of a relationship, I'm telling you, they will, it'll come up. It'll come up and bite you. And then we all need number five. And this is where I want to end up today. This is the fifth and final decision dealing with divorce. Number five, trust God to bring healing and hope. Wow, divorce has a lot of negative emotions attached to it. I mean, even last week when I, when I mentioned, you know, hey, this coming Sunday, we're going to talk about divorce, you know. And some of you just, you know, tightened up. And, and I mean, think about, I mean, whether it's guilt or shame or fear or regret, or anger. I mean, all of that and more, more is wrapped up in divorce. So I want to be very, very clear today. As the the primary teacher of Scripture here at Coastal, this is what we teach and this is what we believe. Divorce is not an unforgivable sin. It is... It is not, you know, it's not the one thing that if you do it, God throws his hands up in the air and goes, oh no, that's it. No hope for you. You know, it's, it's over and done with. No future, no hope. You've hit the dead road. You have permanently and forever completely messed up. That's not how God responds. That's not how he responds to divorce. He's not the source of, of guilt and shame. He is the source of healing and hope. He specializes in in new hearts and fresh starts. Even when it seems like you have hit a dead end, God is there with a new beginning. Even if, listen to me, even when you made a bad choice, even if you feel like it was 99% your fault, Even when you turned your back on God and you ended up doing something that you look back on and you think, man, I should not have done that. And it ended in a dead end. God can create a new beginning. And a new path. And I know that because I want to tell you about one particular divorce in the Bible. And about what happened on the other side. You know, probably the most descriptive illustration or picture that the prophets in the Old Testament painted to describe uh, God's relationship with the children of Israel was that of a marriage. And uh, the Bible teaches that God made a covenant with Israel because he loved her. And so they took a vow. And uh, part of the vow was that God would provide for her. He would care for her. He would love her. And she promised to love God in return. And again, if you've been reading through the Old Testament with your church family, or if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that's not what happened. In fact, that's not what happened over and over and over again. God's people, in fact, were unfaithful. And it led to one of the most amazing and, and yet heart-wrenching statements in the entire Bible. And uh, this is God speaking in Jeremiah 3.8. Listen to this. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of what? Divorce. And I sent her away because of all her adulteries. Do you you understand what that's saying? That God has been through a divorce. You know, in the book of Malachi, God says, I hate divorce. And you know, a lot of well-meaning Christians and some churches will hang on to that statement and throw that statement around and use it kind of flippantly. But do you know why God hates divorce? Because he's been through it. Now this will blow your mind. I mean, what it's saying is that, or what God's saying, is that I have been through the humiliation of being rejected. I, I know all about the pain of betrayal. I know all about the anguish of broken lives and broken hearts and broken vows from hard-hearted people. And so the, the grace that blows me away is that God invented the very first divorce recovery program at a place called Calvary. And the price for the course was one bloodstained cross. Jesus paid the price for all of us. For you and for me. And God was the very first one to go through it. Now here's the amazing news. That, that program, it's still in session for anybody who wants to come. Hosea 2.19, God said, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in love And in mercy, in other words, there is love and compassion and mercy to hard-hearted vow-breakers like me and you. And that, my friends, is good news. Because when it comes to this divorce, we are all on the wrong side of it. We have all been unfaithful to God. You know, that's why it just burns me. It just... That's why any church that divides up people into, you know, morally superior, non-divorced, first-class Christians and inferior, beat-up, divorced, second-class Christians is wrong. I mean, wrong. On the most important spiritual level, we've all been unfaithful. We've all been divorced. We, We all need the cross. We all need Jesus. Don't you see that? And if you don't know him, you could turn your life over to him today. You can come to the cross. You can go through the recovery program and you come out on the other side. You ready for this? Beautiful, white, clean, forgiven, Brand new, married to God forever. You see, no matter where you where you're at right now, what you've been through, whether you're married, divorced, single, or single again, God has an exciting, incredible plan for your life, and it's a plan of hope and promise. His plans are not to hurt you. His plans are not for you to live in fear or regret or hurt or shame. It is for you to experience an incredible future that is beyond anything you could ever dream, ask, or imagine. Jeremiah 29, in fact, says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's God's plan for you. That's what we believe here at Coastal. And that's what Jesus wants to see happen in your life. And so if you're walking away around today in guilt and shame and regret, bring that all to God. He understands. And walk out of here today in freedom. And if you've never yet experienced that personal relationship with God, man, you can have that today. You can experience forgiveness. You you listen, we we're all sinners. We're all vow breakers. We're all adulterers. We're, we're all divorcees. We are. But God in His grace is ready for you to come home, and you can do it today. It is as simple and yet as mysterious and beautiful as a prayer. There's no, you know, quote unquote, sinner's prayer in the Bible. What it is is that God knows your heart. He's the only one who does. And so, you know, in a prayer, you can simply communicate your heart to Him. That's what He wants. He wants you to open up to Him in a real personal relationship. And you can do that today. So I want to step you through that. I want to help you take that next step of faith. And I also want to pray today for those of you who can walk out of here today with a a great burden lifted and can uh, walk out of here brand new. So bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, as always, I thank you for the authority of your word. I thank you for the help and the hope that we can offer, not because of any kind of self-help program that we could ever invent or come up with, but because of the very good news of the gospel of Jesus, that it in and of itself is sufficient and answers all of our questions and needs. Father, the truth is we we are all vow breakers and we have all blown it. My guess is maybe, just maybe, there's somebody here today who is ready to come home. Listen, just simply admit the obvious. Admit what you already know in your heart. Just tell God, God, I have. I've blown it. I have been unfaithful to you. But today I ask you to forgive me. I want to come home I want a brand new start I want to be forgiven and be made brand new I believe I believe that you sent your son Jesus to be the payment for my sin so today I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that my unfaithfulness my sin put him on that cross that he endured what he endured because of me thank you As much as I understand today, I thank you for that. But I believe that your power and your love was so great that he did not stay on that cross or in that tomb. He rose from the dead and he is alive. And because today I put my faith and trust in him and him alone, one day I too will rise and be with you forever. Thank you. Father, for the rest of my days, I know I cannot earn what I've now received. I cannot work for it or be good enough to earn it. But I will do my very best to thank you for it. And just become more and more like you now see me. Perfect and clean and brand new. And Father, I want to I pray now for those who are here who have been walking around with the burden of the past. And in many ways, they have been in a prison. God, I pray that I I can hear right now the chains being broken and dropping all, all around this auditorium and people are being set free. Listen, we have all blown it. We have all been unfaithful. God has a plan and a purpose for you, and it is not fear or shame and regret. It is one of of joy and meaning and life eternal and life, abundant life here and now. Claim it and walk in it today. Father, may we be a church of not just truth, but your grace. And may we do our very, very best to always point people to Jesus. Because he and he alone changes. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.